Rashi says about Sarah's life, Kulan, Shavin, Litova. They were all equal and good. Here's my problem. I don't think that's really true. Sarai Emanu didn't have a child till she was 90. Sarai Emanu passed away before her only son got married. Sarai Emanu had to be in various different king's palace at risk of being taken from her husband. Famine, tests. I wouldn't say, if I was going to describe her life, I wouldn't say that it was all good. If I was describing an all good life, a person who had a family from when they were young, had a great husband that she had, but had went through life, everything was great, in one place, steady, beautiful life, from stage to stage, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, that's how I would describe a great life. I wouldn't describe this as all good all equal for good. They definitely weren't all equal. They were definitely tough times. Like I said, 90 until she had her first child. So what does this mean? My next question is, is that the commentaries tell us, the Midrash says, that Sarai Menu was greater than Avraham in Nevoah. Greater than Avraham in prophecy. Now, my question on that is, how is that even possible? Sarai Emanu, like Hashem said one word to her. He told her, she said, I didn't laugh. He said, no, you did. That's her whole prophecy. That's the whole thing. Sarai Emanu's prophecy, the whole time that she was spoken to, was one line. She said, I didn't laugh. And Hashem said to her, no, you did. The whole thing. Abraham Avinu, God spoke to him ten times, giving blessings to your children like the sand, your children like the stars. Tremendous berachot, you're going to be the chosen nation, and it's Israel. The whole future of the Jewish people, the future of his children, everything was told to Abraham Avinu. So that was told, you left. She's greater prophet than Abraham Avinu. How do I explain this? Good? And my third and final question is the Pasuk says, tells us how Sarah eulogized, Abraham eulogized Sarah. It says, He came to spotless Sarah to eulogize her, v'liv kota, and to cry for her. If you look in the Pasuk, when it says v'liv kota, to cry, it says it with a small kaf. The kaf is small. Why is the, why is the kaf small when it says, when it's describing Abraham's crying for his special wife, the first of the Imahot. So before we answer this question, I decided today what we're going to talk about is Derech Eretz. Now, when I was planning on giving this class, I usually think about the class from the beginning of the week. I said, you know, the problem with talking about Derech Eretz is that it's a very airy, uh, you know, everyone knows to have Derech Eretz. You were told from when you were in three years old, have derech edits. What am I going to tell you that you don't know? What am I going to tell you new? And what are we going to see? Uh, we really have a new insight to derech edits. And to be honest with you, I think derech edits is something that we don't really understand. And the problem, the reason why we don't understand it is because it's so basic. And because it's something that really you expect everybody to have. You know, the hardest concepts in the Torah are not Shabbat and Tefillin and Kashrut. 
The hardest concept in the Torah are the concepts that the rest of the world also has. Stealing, foul language, those things that the rest of the world also talks about that we don't understand how the Torah's perspective on it is unique. So what we're going to give you is the unique perspective of the Torah and of our Chachamim of how to approach this Derech Eretz. Okay? You ready here? Like I said, you know, we'd be nice to people. That, that you could, yeah, that's what Derech Eretz is. You're done right now. You can leave 11.30. Class is over. But we need to understand, like I said, how our Torah defines it differently. There's a Mishnah in Pekavu. The Mishnah says, Chaviv Adam. Special is a person, Chaviv, special, cherish a person, Shenevra Betzelem Elokim, that they are created in the image of God. And there are some commentaries that say, oh, that is really talking about a Jew. The problem is it can't be, because the next statement in the Mishnah says, Chavivin Yisrael, the Jewish people are special, Shenekru Banim Lamakom, that they are the children of God. Which means the first statement is clearly talking about everybody. Chaviv Adam, special as a person, Shenivra B'Tselem, that they're created in the image of God. That's the Mishnah. There's another Mishnah in Gitin. The Mishnah says, it's talking about if you have a neighbor that let's say isn't kosher and doesn't observe and doesn't have a proper kitchen, can you lend them your dishes and so on? And the Mishnah tells you which things you can, which things you can't. And then the Mishnah talks about Goyim. And the Mishnah says, Shualim b'shlomam, you could say shalom to a goy, mipne darkesh shalom, because of the ways of peace. Torah is peaceful because of the ways of peace. What's the Mishnah telling me? You could say hi to a goy? Uh, before this, I would have thought you can't say hi to a goy. So it comes the Mishnah to say that you could say hello to the mailman. The Mishnah came to tell us that you could go like that to the garbage man. That's the Mishnah. No. Rashi on the Mishnah explains, and this Rashi is the key of what we're trying, the, what we're going to see is different. Rashi says, the Afalpi, even though, when you're saying, that's, the Mishnah is not talking about the word hi. The word hi, you could say to anybody. But the Mishnah is talking about a specific word. The word, Shalom. The word Shalom, it doesn't mean peace. The word Shalom is the name of God. And he says, Even though when you're talking to the Goy, you're giving, you're saying hi to the Goy with the name of God, because the name Shalom is God's name. And the Mishnah is telling us, not just that you can say hello, or good morning sir, or good night, or buenas noches. That's not what the Mishnah is telling us. The Mishnah is telling us that you can say the word Shalom. That you can give them, that you can talk to them with the name of Hashem. Now, why could you use the name of Hashem? In fact, it's a discussion if you're allowed to say Shalom in a bathroom. If you want to say hi to somebody that's in a bathroom, you, maybe you can't say the name Shalom because it's God's name. Maybe you can't say for men, this applies, maybe you can't say Shalom to somebody before you pray in the morning because it's God's name. God, this is, Shalom is a special word. And to be able to say that the chidush is, not that you can say hello, but that you can even say shalom to a goy. Why can you? The answer is the first Mishnah we told you. Because that goy, that non-Jew, that Gentile, was also created in the image of God. 
that Gentile was also given an Ishama, was also given an opportunity and the ability to become something special. You know, I just read, you know, there's a lot of talk in the news these days about healthcare. You know, follow this healthcare, Obama, this, that. So I read something, there's some man, I don't know who he is, John Stossel or something, I don't know, he's on 2020, I don't know, 2020, I don't know what it is. You heard of this man? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. Anyhow, John Stossel wrote an article about healthcare in Canada. Because I think they have government healthcare in Canada. And he says, the way it works over there is, yeah, you know, you can get like a free CAT scan. If like you wait six months. And you can get an MRI if you need, or you can get radio, you know, you can get what you need. You can get... You know, if you wait three months, he says, there's only one way that you can get like an MRI tomorrow. Or if you need, or if you need an x-ray, you can get it today. What's the way? If you're a dog. A dog or a cat, they get health care right away. They got all the technology that's necessary is right there ready to go. Human beings, they have to wait six months. It's free. They get it. But they have to wait six months. Animals get it right away. What's the fundamental difference between an animal and a human being is this. Is that a human being has in it the ability. Hashem chose this person to give them a nishama. To give them the Salem Elohim. That person didn't just randomly appear. That person, that mailman was chosen by God to have that Salem Elohim. Hashem gave him, was, only gave him this chance. He didn't give it to the tree. He didn't give it to a bird. He didn't give it to a lion and a tiger and an animal. He gave it to this human being, which means Hashem considered this person a chosen person. So when you're talking to this person, you're not just talking to someone who, you know, always a human being. No, you're talking to someone who was created in the image of Hashem, who has a little bit of God in him. That the Mishnah is telling us that you could use Hashem's name to refer to this person because of what they possess. It's a different perspective on what that human being is. It's not just somebody. It's a person who God chose. In fact, the Gemara, it's Gemara in Berachot says... Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. You've heard of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai? He's one of the famous rabbis of the Mishnah. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, nobody ever said hello to him before he said hello to that person. And he always was the first one to say hello, to say shalom. Afilu nochri shabashuk. Even a goy in the marketplace, even a regular guy, Regular Gentile, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai always beat him to the punch. Shalom. So the commentary says, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is the, only, the one you're mentioning is Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. You know who Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was? Should I tell you who Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was? The Gemara says in Sukkah who Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was. It says, Hillel, you heard of Hillel. Hillel had 80 students. 30 of them were worthy of having the Shekhinah rest on them like Moshe Rabbeinu. 30 of them could stop the sun like Yeshua ben Nun. And the middle 20 were, un- were in between. Who is the lowest of the middle 20? Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. What could Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai do? He knew the entire, the Gemara goes through it. He knew the entire 
Torah. He knew the entire Mishnah. He knew the entire Gemara. He knew all the Halacha. He knew all the Agadot. He knew all the, he knew all the Sifri and the Sifra. He knew all the language of angels. The language of the Shedim. He knew Maaseh Merkava. He knew what was happening in the heavens. That's Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai. This man, this man, who's this unbelievable knowledge, he's the one who's saying hello to a Goy in the marketplace. That's the one you choose to tell us about his saying hello? What's the connection? The answer is this, exactly what we just said. Is this man who understands the language of angels. This man who understands what it, God is. And understands what's happening in the heavens. Appreciates what this human being is that he's looking at. He doesn't just see someone who's black or who's white. Or who has a bad job or a good job. He sees someone who's created B'Tselem Elohim. He sees a whole different person. He sees a whole different thing. It says about Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai, he called himself, he says, I am not a servant to Hashem, I am a sod. I'm like a governor in God's palace. That's the level I'm on. That man, again, is someone who's so connected and therefore so understands what a human being is and that's how he reacts. So when you see a human being walk in the room, you're not just saying hi to somebody because, okay, you see somebody say hello, oh, it's a human being. Like they tell you, oh, it's a human being. No. You're seeing somebody that God chose to give them the ability and to give them the talent to be able to have a nishama, to be able to have the image of Him. Technically, you should stand up every time a human being walks in the room. I should stand up here. I don't know what, 60, 70 times. I should stand up for every person that's here because Hashem chose you. You're not just regular. Hashem chose you. When you understand it, it's a whole different appreciation of a person. It's a whole different appreciation of how you treat a person. Rev. Desler writes, he says, How do you see someone who has real derech eretz? He says, real derech eretz is someone who has derech eretz when they have a reason not to have it. What I mean is, real derech eretz, he says, is someone who's in pain who should be in a bad mood, who should be in trouble, and who doesn't show it. Why doesn't he show it? Because I understand that my pain, I appreciate you so much, understand what you are so much, that trust me, if I had a bad hair day, okay, and then I was meeting the President of the United States, I wouldn't say, oh, you know, I couldn't, my brush didn't work this morning, I needed hairspray. That's not going to be my conversation. The President, I mean, appreciate what this person is. Your own little issues are nothing compared to what this person is. He says, real derech is a person who appreciates somebody else so much that you don't give over your problems. You ever feel that someone, like the meaning you talk to them, you're going to hear their whole story? And then there's other people. You know these people. <laughs> we are these people? <laughs> and then there's others who know how, and the truth is it's a talent, who know how to some degree... To not allow everything that's happening, oh, my kid today, my sister today, or I had a bad this, or my, my, I burned my roast. Who cares? Your, your own, your, when you're understanding who you're talking to, and who you're relating to, then you're understanding that your little minor issues don't relate to this person. It's not important. It's not important when you're talking to someone who's hashu, who's so important that they're a human being, that Hashem chose them to be of this unique species, the human being. How do you see if Derech Eretz is deeply rooted? How do you see if it's real? How do you see that it's something that you really understand, that you're really this kind of person? How do you see it? So I'll tell you what Chaim Vital says. This is a statement, it's, it's attributed to him. He says it about men. 
I'll switch it to woman. Is it okay? Okay. He says the way to see if a person has real derech edits is how they treat their spouse. No. No, no, me. <laughs> Make sure your husband didn't get that on tape. The way to see you have real derech edits is how you treat your spouse. Don't worry, everyone wanted to say no. But it's, that, it's how you treat, because I'll tell you why. Because we can do, if derech edits, like we said, is a real, what a person is a real appreciation of another human being. And when it's a real deep appreciation of another human being, the way you're treating is not just you're putting on a show. It's you understand this. The way to show if you really understand it is with that person you're with all the time. To say it with over here, everyone does the hi, how are you? Do you ever meet someone? You know, people will tell me, people always say when they say, oh, what are you looking for? Let's say in a shiduch. They'll always say someone with good midot. My comment on that is I have never found anyone say, I just got engaged to someone with bad midot. Never seen it. Everyone has good midot. Everyone claims that the person they're talking to has good midot. You know why? Because everyone can put on a nice smile. Everyone says, hello, how are you? Almost everyone says, please and thank you. At some point along the way, our parents teach it to us and we get it. As everyone knows how to be nice, regular people. That's not real derech edits. Real derech edits is inner. Real de- how do you know if it's inner? If you're doing it at home with your husband. When he's around and he has bad days, you can't, your bad mood, you can, you can hide your bad mood and when, you, when you know, you're at the store and you're buying something from the cashier and you, for those 10 minutes you could hide your bad mood. To your husband, you cannot hide your bad mood. Right? Because at some point, it's coming out. If you can hold it then, and if you can control yourself then, then we see your derech eretz is deeply rooted, it's real. Okay? Let's go now. It's a tough test. I didn't say I could pass the test. Okay? Don't ask my wife how my derech edits is. But we're going to see now how Abraham, what, how Abraham Avinu, what Abraham Avinu was going through. You know, at the end of the class last week, as we were getting up, someone turned to me and says, you know, the hardest part, the hardest part of the whole story of Abraham, or in so many words, the hardest part of the whole story is this part. Abraham, what's the story of Abraham Avinu? Abraham, we waited a hundred years to have a son. To have this son. This is the chosen son. This is his wife, Sarah. They were married. She was 90 before she had her child. Okay? The two of them together finally had a child. They were tested. They went from place to place. They had to get rid of one, the Yishmael, to have not a bad influence. Finally, Abraham Avinu is passing his final test. God tells him to sacrifice his son. He goes to the mountain. He's going to sacrifice his only son, his chosen son. He's going to accept everything that God's asking of him, which is basically sacrificing his entire future. And he passes this test, according to Moses, his tenth and final test. And he comes back home, and his wife is dead. I mean, is there anything like sadder or more uncomfortable? You know, at least the other test, he had a test, he passed the test, there's a happy ending. This one, like, it just, the show doesn't end right. Of all things, you know, Yosef with his brothers is 20 years, but at least at the end is Ani Yosef. You have the storybook ending. This one doesn't. That's it, she's dead. Comes back and she's dead. How'd she die? The, they say the Satan came, the Midrash said the Satan came to Sarai. He says, where's your son? She says, I don't know. He says, oh, you know where your son is. Your son is with your husband. What's my husband doing with my son? He took your son, and he took your only son, and he's taking him to the mountain at 37 years old, and he's going to slaughter him. 
And she cries and she passes away. Does it get sadder? Does it get harder than this? I would say no. I would say to have a man who spent uh, his 137 years of his life to get to this moment, to have passed every test God could send, he's definitely the greatest man to ever live at that point, to have passed every test and have succeeded in every way, and finally you would say he'd want to come home and maybe celebrate a little, make a little l'chaim or something, a little something, just to appreciate a little kiddush, his son is going to be here, they're going to get married soon, and he comes home to a dead wife. I don't think it could get said. How Abraham Avinu handles this is where we're going to see who he really is. The first reason why it says Vliv Kota, the Khaf is small, is that Abraham did not lose it. Abraham came home to a dead wife and he didn't cry like crazy. The Khaf is small because he didn't go crazy. Even with this, he's going to be appropriate. Even with this, he's not going to lose himself. Even this, the hardest moment. He's composed. That's Abraham Avinu. The, in fact, it says that the, the Satan, one of the ways that he gets us, he has two ways of testing us. How we get tested in life. There's one way, normally we're tested before we sin, the Satan tries to make us sin. There's another avenue he's got. You can do a mitzvah, and he can make you lose points. How can you do a mitzvah and he makes you lose? Should I tell you how? There's one way after you did the mitzvah. You can come to this class and walk out and lose. How are you going to walk out and lose? If he makes you regret it. If you, just like if you regret a sin, it wipes off the sin, it's teshuvah. If you regret a mitzvah, it can wipe off the mitzvah. So the commentaries say, if you, re- if you regret a mitzvah, I can wipe it. So you walk out of this class and say, oh, you know, I shouldn't have come. It's raining outside. What do I do this for? That, you can wipe out the whole 45 minutes. All the learning you did can be wiped out by you regretting what you did. So that, in fact, we say in our beat, Haser hasatan milfanenu milacharenu. Remove the satan from in front of us and from behind us. What does that mean in front of us and behind us? In front of us is before we sin, the satan tries to make us sin. Don't go, don't learn, don't pray, don't do, don't, don't observe. That's milfanenu. Milacharenu is behind us. It's after we did the mitzvah, he tries to get us to regret it. According to some opinions, Abraham the Akedah was test number nine. Test number 10 was this, was when he got home and found his wife dead, now the Satan is going to see, ah, how are you going to react? How Maybe you're going to regret it, you're going to fall apart, you're going to say, I just can't take this anymore, I did everything and I'm still getting this, and Hashem's still hurting me, and now that's it, she's dead, I can't bring her back to life, it's over, I'm never going to have the ultimate moment in my life, Abraham would never have. A moment where he could, where most people look forward to, to march their son down the aisle, Abraham Avinu with his wife never did that. He would march him down without Sarah there. Never did that. He had one son that was like one special son, and that son, he never, they never got it to be with his wife. So it would be natural that he would regret. The Satan tried to make him regret. Abraham Avinu was able to pass even this. How do we see he passed it? By how he treats the people, the Benechet. He comes and he's buying a spot. I need a spot. We don't have, we, what do we need? I need Ephron. He comes to Ephron. Ephron, I will give it to you. Abraham, no, I want to pay for it. 
No, please. And if the whole conversation, the derech eres that he has in this circumstance, when he doesn't need to, and he definitely shouldn't, and the, or you would say most people would lose themselves, that's where you see Abraham Avinu. We're going to see the difference between Jewish derech eretz and not Torah derech eretz from the other person that Abraham Avinu deals with. Who's the other man? You know the name? Ephron. Ephron is the man who sells the plot to Abraham Avinu. Ephron, if you take his name, he was, what did Ephron say? Ephron says, you know, I'll give you all the property, I'll sell it to you, I'll give it to you. Abraham says, no, I want to buy it. He says, okay, so you know what, between me and you, 400 gold, what's the difference? 400, the God commented, Gemara says, you know, 400 is an enormous amount of money. He went from a gift to charging him an arm and a leg and his whole body to boot. Everything. So, with the, in fact, it said the name, Ephron, hints it. Because Ephron comes from the word Afar. What's Afar? Dirt. Is this world physical? He's acting, okay, but really he's physical. And not just that, it says that at one point when he asked for the money, the Pasuk says Ephron without a Vav. Why without a Vav? Because if you equal up the Gematria of Ephron without a Vav, you ready? Can you do it? Ayin is 70. Fe is 80. Where are we at so far? 150, right? 150. Rash is 200. 350. Nun is 50. 400. Is that deep down? He always wanted the 400. Ephron, he always was about 400. And you know what else Ephron stands for? Ephron also stands for the same gematria as Ayin Ra, as a bad eye. He's talking nice. Abraham, please, yes, thank you. No, I'll give it to you as a gift. But really, it's all deep down. He's how am I going to get this money? How am I getting the flus out of him? That is fake derech eretz. The real derech eretz is inner. Fake derech eretz is outer. And as we were reading the parasha this morning, I noticed something, and it may be in the commentaries, I just didn't see it. Is that if you look at the pesukim, there's something very strange. It keeps talking about benechet. The people of Chet, the people that they're around. Abraham spoke to Ephron in front of the people of Chet. Ephron speaks back in front of the Bnei Chet. Ephron, in fact, says, I'll give it to you as a... Ephron says it before the Bnei Chet, I'll give it to you as a gift. And Abraham bows down to the Bnei Chet. He doesn't even talk back. He bows down to the Bnei Chet and then he says, charge me. And then the Pasuk says, And Ephron told Abraham, and here it doesn't mention anything about Bnei Chet, Ephron told Abraham, 400 kesef, that's all it's going to be. Between me and you, what's 400 kesef? And over here the Pasuk doesn't say anything about Benechet. I think the Pasuk is hinting to us something very important. Is that Ephron was playing to the crowd. Ephron said in the beginning, Benechet, people are here. So he said, I'll give it to you as a gift. No problem. Abraham, to acknowledge that this whole thing is a sketch, bows to the Benechet, because he knows he's not really talking to Ephron. He's talking to everybody else. Because Ephron is really very conscious of everybody that's looking. Then when Ephron asks for the money, Benechet aren't there. And the Pasuk doesn't talk about those people because Ephron, the sketch is over. Now he's in private between me and you. Meaning on the side, no one's going to see. Between me and you, what's the difference? What does the Pasuk then say? Abraham says back, Vayishma Abraham el Ephron, Abraham hears Ephron, Vayishkol Abraham le Ephron takes and Abraham gives him the money, Asher diber beozneh benechet, just like he spoke in front of the benechet. What does that mean? As Abraham Avinu says, no, 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 there's no difference between in front of them or in this back room. We're the same person. 
So I'm giving you the money here, between me and you, on the side that you think no one's watching. I'll give it to you here, just as if I was out there with the whole crowd and all the news reporters watching. Efron is superficial. And that's why the whole time he's conscious of Ben Echet. And Abraham even acknowledges it because he knows it's really all about the Ben Echet. When he gets to the side room, he wants the money under the table because it's not real. The, whole, the please and the thank you is all superficial. Says Abraham Avinu, no, no, no. I'm giving you the money here or there. There's going to be no difference if everybody is here or if nobody's here, how I react. Gemara tells us that Rabbi Akiva, how did Rabbi Akiva, you know Rabbi Akiva for 40 years was not observant. And then he became observant. How did he become observant? What did he see that made him observant? Right. I know. That's his wife started, but what did he see? says he saw a rock and he saw the water dropping into the rock. And he saw, he says, wow, there's a hole in the rock. How'd the hole get there? From the water. The water continuously dropping into the rock made a hole in the rock. He says, if the water that's soft could, could damage, hurt a rock and can reform a rock, then Torah, which is hard, can for sure reshape me. That's what they say. What does he say? What, what he learned from this rock that he didn't know till now, what happened? What, what was he observing from the rock? What, was, what did he observe from the rock? What did the rock teach him? Tell you what the rock taught him. The rock taught him the difference between the Torah and every other knowledge. Is every other knowledge is outer. Every other knowledge is superficial. When the world talks about derech eretz, they basically mean say please and thank you and hold open the door and do proper things. Put on a good show for benechet. Rabbi Akiva saw no. The Torah works differently. The Torah is like water. The Torah. If you're really doing it the Torah's way, it changes you. It becomes inner. You become a different person. That's what the Torah is supposed to do. Derech Eretz, real true Derech Eretz, is not just putting on a show. Real true Derech Eretz is becoming a different person. It's really appreciating the next person. Over and over again. Adjusting yourself to being in such pain like Abraham Avinu, you could imagine, was in right now. And still handling himself appropriately because he's dealing with people. These aren't Jews. These aren't great people by any means. This is Ephron. And yet he's dealing with them in the appropriate, upstanding way. While he's crying, while he's eulogizing his wife, his special wife of many, many decades, he's still handling himself because he's different. Because he's not just somebody who's putting on a show. He's somebody who became his derech eretz is an inner thing. I just read this, actually. There was um, a man named Larry Trapp. Unbelievable. Larry Trapp was a head dragon of the KKK. Head dragon. Okay, this guy has had skinheads. He had in his house all kinds of artillery. He had, he had huge pictures of Hitler. He had swastics. He once read something, I don't know, the gooks of the night. I don't know, he had something. He burnt down. They, he burnt synagogues. He, he, he had shot. Forget it. Head dragon of the KKK. In Nebraska, sometime, I don't know if it was maybe 10 years ago, this is recent, a Chazan moved into town. A Chazan and his wife. Right after the Chazan moves in, he gets a phone call, dirty Jew, the holla hoax is nothing compared to what's going to happen to you. He gets a letter in the mail. He says, you, you, you know, be careful, it's over. I didn't, they try to do research, who is it? Turns out it's Larry Trapp. What does this guy do this Hazan? What does he do? He calls him up. No answer. He calls him up. He calls him up. Finally, he says, what? 
He says, how are you? Is there anything I can do for you? He says, what do you mean? He says, you know, I heard that you don't feel well, you have diabetes. Maybe I can take you, maybe you need some help, maybe I can take you to the grocery store. He says, you, you what? Uh, he says, no, I, maybe, maybe you need help, maybe it's something, I know you're a little older now, and, you have, and you're not feeling so well. He, he hung up on him, he says, I don't talk to me. He called him back, and he called him back, until finally they set up a meeting. And he came to his house, and I walked into the man's house, and the man had these swastiks on the wall, and Hitler on the wall. The minute he walked in, this man, Larry Travis, started crying hysterically. And he started to tear down the signs, and he started to talk about his past, and talk about how hard it was. Long story short, he converted to Judaism. <laughs> Is that that's, you have to be able to see that even that crazy man, in some way, God chose. Even he has a Salem Elohim. Even he has the image of God. It may be covered up with a lot of garbage. But even he has the image of God. Abraham Avinu talking to Ephron, who is the worst of the worst, and who is the biggest sketch and the biggest gamester, Abraham Avinu sees a Salem Elohim here too. That's Derech Eretz when it's real. Abraham is able, like we said, to compose himself and to handle himself in the toughest of situations. Where did he learn this midah from? His wife, <coughs> Sarah. What do we see? The Amek Davar, which is the Nitzi, says like this. He says, you know, we say Sarah had greater prophecy than, than, than Abraham. How does it make any sense? Like we told you before, Hashem spoke to her once. How could you say that? He says, no. There's two things. There's something called Nevoah, and there's something called Ruach HaKodesh. You know how people say, oh, that person is a Navi, has Ruach HaKodesh. They're not the same thing. Nevoah is prophecy. It's God speaking to you. Ruach HaKodesh is the presence of God on somebody. And someone who, and because of it, maybe they can see some things in the future and say, even after Nevoah, you know, they'll say, that person, that rabbi is so great, he has Ruach HaKodesh. Everybody says, that has Ruach HaKodesh. What does that mean, Ruach HaKodesh? Isn't God did come and speak to him and tell him something. Nebuah has been gone for thousands of years. Ruach HaKodesh means he has the presence of the Shekhinah upon them. And they, because of this, they can understand what Hashem wants or what Hashem maybe plans on doing. But it's not the same thing as Nebuah. Nebuah is direct conversation with God. Ruach HaKodesh is the presence of God upon a person and therefore they can maybe know what Hashem wants or what Hashem is going to do. Abraham was greater in prophecy. Abraham was spoken to a lot more than Sarah. But Sarah was greater in Ruach HaKodesh, in understanding the will of God. Why is that? Says the Hamek Davar. He says this, one, he gives two reasons. One reason is Abraham was more involved with people, so he couldn't have that same focus. But he says there's a second reason. That's the reason I want to focus on for the next minute and a half. I'm going three minutes over time because we started five minutes. Okay? says there's a reason why she had greater Ruach HaKodesh and Abraham Avinu had. He said, the reason is because Abraham Avinu, all along the way, was promised things. From when Hashem told him, leave your father's house, I'll make your name great, I'll make you famous, I'll forgive your children, your children will be like the sand, your children will be like the stars. Continually promised things. Sarah was never promised anything. Sarah just rode on her own belief in Hashem. Period. In fact, the Midrash says that when she was in Paro's house, which is right after they had left Lech Lecha, leave your father's home, they left, and now they went down to Egypt, and she was taken into Paro's house. It says she was lying on the bed. 
in Paro's room, afraid of not knowing what Paro is going to do to her. And she was crying to Hashem. She said, God, my husband you made promises to. You told him about his future and his blessing and his great name and his great fame. Me, you made no blessings. Because with me, I'm just trusting you. You don't have to say anything to me. I just trust you. And Sarai Manu went through a whole life with that belief. That God, I am confident in you. And so whatever you do and whatever happens and whichever way it happens, my confidence is firm in you. In this confidence, she was greater than Abraham Avinu. And that's why Hashem rested with her in a stronger way than He rested with Abraham Avinu. Because she was always able to be happy and confident because she had this belief in Hashem without any promises, without being told anything ever. She just believed and was strong in her confidence in God. That's how we can say her whole life was good. Is that her reaction to everything was always good. Is that nothing ever affected her because she had this emunah even stronger than Abraham. She had this ruach hakodesh. She had this faith, this understanding of Hashem being with me, Hashem taking care of me. He doesn't have to say anything to me. Abraham had to be spoken to a lot. I mean, he started off without it, but Abraham was spoken to a lot. Me, God doesn't have to say me anything. The only time God spoke to her, reprimanded her. Okay, that's a good question. We don't have time. <laughs> but the... And maybe that's why that was the only time Hashem reacted is when she left. Is that, that was the only time that she went like off, off message and Hashem told her, get back on track. This is what you do. Your strength is this. Is that you always have this confidence and you're always able to. And that's how they're always good. You know, how does a person have a good life? You know what I realized after a while? It has nothing to do with what you have, what you do, what you say, what you are. It does nothing. You could have everything that everyone calls a dream life, and you could be not happy. You could have everything. It really is how you react to it. And Sarai Imanu knew how to react. And Sarai Imanu always reacted in this positive, composed way that nothing ever fazed her. And that's how Rashi could say, Kulam Shabin Latova, they're all equal. They're all equal and good because they're all equal and how she reacted to them was always good. And that's why she was the one who was greater than Abraham in Haruah HaKodesh. So we answered our three questions. I owe you really a good story. But I'm going to save it for next week. Okay? <laughs> But this is a good one. This is really a good one. We're going to save it. We're over time, so we're going to save it. But what we learned today from Abraham and Sarah, and the opposite from Ephron, is what real true derech eretz is. True derech eretz is an inner thing. It's an inner thing because it comes from a real true appreciation of the person you're dealing with and an understanding what they are, that they were created in Salem Elohim. They're deserving of using the word Shalom to them. A man who can speak to angels and understands the language of angels is a man who would say Shalom to a Goy because he understands what that Goy is. When you're talking to your child and you say a Goy, you understand, appreciate what a Goy is, what a human being is, their beliefs... Maybe we want to have nothing to do with. Even their beliefs and what Derech Eretz is, we want to have nothing to do with. But as a person, how we relate to them, it's always with Derech Eretz. Why is Abraham Avinu, when we said Abraham Sarah was greater than Abraham, we didn't mean Nebuah, we meant Ruach HaKodesh. Why, is we, why does it mean that we're all good? They were all good, all our years were good in her understanding and how she took it. Because she always went with that emunah and that inner understanding and appreciation of what Hashem gave for her. And Liv Kota, Abraham Avinu cries with a small chaf because he's not falling apart. What, the way she reacted her whole life is the way he's going to react to her death. Baruch Adonai Amen. Amen.